What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 40 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. Three weeks into the season, we got a couple of real good matchups this past week. Uh, excited to get right into it and start recapping some of these games. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just talking before this episode started, getting Sunday NFL ticket. Just a great, uh, great thing to have, able to watch all the games. And yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but Sundays, just sit back, watch football all day. You feel kind of like not productive, but I mean, you get to watch football all day. So I guess it's pretty good in the long run. I mean, yeah, not good for um, all the stuff that you have to do on Sundays. But yeah, you said you feel kind of not productive. I am not productive on Sundays. I don't move off my couch. You know, we got we have a nice setup going on over here. We got a couple of different TVs going. Sunday ticket here. Uh, Giants in the middle. It's unbelievable what we got going. But let's get into it. We'll talk about the games that we just watched on uh, our what should we call it on Sunday. Uh, I guess we'll start with the big one. Core was America's game of the week. 425 start. The Rams played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and the Rams showed that they were legit uh, after the first two weeks. Obviously, with Matthew Stafford coming in this season, people were pegging them as maybe the NFC favorites. And to to be the best, you got to beat the best. And they really handled Tampa Bay this past week. They beat them 34-24. And kind of Brady scored a late touchdown to Giovanni Bernard, actually. But, yeah, I was really impressed with what the Rams were able to do. The Buccaneers' defense, obviously, has had so much success in this past year, uh, like last year. This year, if you ask me, it's tailed off a little bit. Uh, They've definitely been exposed in their secondary a little bit against the Cowboys. And then, as well, Deshaun Jackson's looking like Eagles Deshaun Jackson out there. He went for, like, 120 yards and a touchdown. Did have a long touchdown. That kind of skewed that. But, um. Yeah, if you ask me, the Bucs weren't able to get anything going on the ground. McVay was leading at halftime, and he's still undefeated at halftime. It's like 36-0 or something like that, 35-0 when leading at halftime, which is just unbelievable. So to beat the Rams, I guess you got to be up at halftime. But uh, overall, I was really impressed with the Rams. And again, another flawless performance from Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a really impressive showing. for From the Los Angeles Rams, I know last year on Monday Night Football, they, uh, they pulled off an upset in – Tampa Bay kind of when Tampa Bay was sliding a little bit but I mean this game like you said I mean the game yeah garbage time touchdown from Tom Brady makes this a 10-point game I mean the it was pretty close in the first half but yeah the Rams pull away in uh in like that third quarter Matthew Stafford obviously looking I mean he's looking lights out right now four touchdowns and yeah I mean this connection between Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup right now I mean through the first three weeks, I don't think there's um there's been a duo that's been better than these two. I mean, they've been absolutely unbelievable. And, yeah, this Rams team looking really dangerous. And, yeah, like you said, to, to be the best, you got to beat the best. And, yeah, it's only week three, but definitely an impressive showing to um to defeat the defending champs here at home. Yeah, you mentioned Cup again. I mean, the guy had just under 100 yards, 96 yards, two touchdowns to, again, go along with a great start to the season for him so far. Robert Woods hasn't even really been a main factor in this Rams offense. Honestly, through three games, you'd say he's been uh, a down performer, but I guess it's clicking so much with Cup. Even Jackson stepped up. Dan Jefferson, uh, second-year player out of Florida, he stepped up for them. Higby, has uh, he had a good game. One of the one of the first. I, I think he did bad week two or did good week one. One of the two, but he had a good week again um, this past week and caught a touchdown in that. Yeah, with no Darrell Henderson, two on the ground, they were still able to make do with Sony Michelle. So, I'm excited to see where this Rams team can go for the Bucs. I don't think it's panic time yet, obviously, because it's only one game. And again, it's against a top two team in the NFC. I think you can conservatively say, honestly, 
So I'm excited. I hope these two teams meet eventually in the future. Like I said, I think the Bucks just need to fix up their secondary and their run game. They have to establish something because their leading rusher was Tom Brady. You're not going to win football games when your leading rusher is Tom Brady. I don't care if you have Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, who didn't play in this game, Mike Evans, Gronk, Tyler Johnson, Scotty Miller. I don't care about your weapons. If you can't run the football, you're going to put yourself in an uphill battle every single game. So I'm sure – the Buccaneers will be real excited to come out firing this week. They play on Sunday night against the New England Patriots, and Tom Brady goes back to New England. But we'll get into that a little later. Let's kind of uh, turn to the AFC corn. Probably, I, I, I mean, this was a huge surprise to me. The Kansas City Chiefs lose back-to-back games. If you would have told me three weeks into the season the Chiefs would be one and two, I'd call you crazy. But that's where we live. I mean, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers proved that their offense is legit. And as simple as this is, Kansas City turned the ball over four times. The Chargers didn't. It's very hard to overcome those turnovers, especially with a good Chargers team. Their defense has been vastly underrated the past couple of years. And then bringing in a coach like Brandon Staley from the Rams uh, was one of the best things that could happen to that unit. Again, made things hard on Patrick Mahomes all day. Even late in this game, too, the Chargers didn't elect to kick a field goal. They were going to go for it on like fourth and four. It would have been like a 50-yarder to take the lead. They don't go. They, they plan to go for it. It's a false start. Staley says fourth and nine. I'll keep the offense on the field. They get it to Mike Williams. And then Mike Williams ends up scoring on that final drive. So kind of a uh, nuts on the table type of call from Brandon Staley. I don't know like how much, I guess he doesn't have a ton of confidence in this kicker. So let's kind of figure that out. But I mean, to go for it on fourth and nine in the tie game against the chiefs to like, make sure to like put them away. Cause there's about 45 seconds left in that game. I mean, that's a, that's a huge stand from him, a good execution by Herbert. And like I said, the Chargers are now in third place, technically, in the AFC West. And the Kansas City Chiefs are in sole possession of last place. Yeah, I'm going to start on that with that fourth and nine call. I mean, they did get it. But, I mean, let's – I mean, yeah, they got it. But let's say there, there, there was a defensive pass interference, kind of a bailout. But, I mean, obviously they got the first down. They ended up winning the game game and I yeah I was surprised when um the Chargers I know they like obviously the Chiefs didn't score but the Chargers literally could have ran the clock down to like one second and kick a chip shot field goal but I mean I mean they won the game they got a touchdown but they I mean Pat they left like what like 30 seconds with for Patrick Mahomes I know they didn't score but I mean I don't know if if they lost that game that would have been the, like the same old charges you would think but yeah I mean they go on the road into Kansas City and get a win. Justin Herbert with four touchdowns. And Mike Williams, this guy, Mike Williams, is actually looking, I don't know, I mean, like this guy, first-round pick out of Clemson, he's never really reached, like, his full potential in his, uh, what, three, four years in the league. I mean, through three weeks, he has looked lights out. He's just been, I mean, he he's one of the best guys that I've seen, like, with a one-on-one jump ball. Like, he's going up, he's going and getting it. And he, he, him and Keenan Allen have been that one, one A, like there's like, they're just both really good right now. That offense is looking terrific. And yeah, for the chiefs, not, I'm not concerned at all. I mean, they've lost two straight games where, I mean, these are two games they usually win, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, losing two games, Patrick Mahomes, obviously what he only needed, um, he only need a field goal and he throws a pick. I mean, that's just not Patrick Mahomes-like. So, I mean, if you're Andy Reid, I think um, it's only three games in. I, I think you do not want to fall to one and three, especially with how good um, this division is currently with two 3-0 teams. We'll get to that after. 
but I, I'm not really concerned at all. But I'd say this is more about the Chargers maybe possibly being a legit content. Not con- I'm not saying contender yet, but like a team who could compete for the playoffs and um, yeah, possibly oppose a threat to some of the better teams in the AFC. I think that's more what this is about. Yeah, for sure. I think the Chargers are definitely on the rise. I know I picked them to go to the playoffs because I kind of uh, like was seeing how they were putting some pieces together. I like Staley coming in. And I expected their offense to take a jump in year two with Justin Herbert. You are right, too. It was a pass interference that got them down before the Mike Williams completion. Uh, I think it was DeAndre Baker actually got called for the pass interference. So look at the former Giants go on Sunday. But moving on to the rest of the AFC West, we got the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders both won to improve to three and oh, I think two very surprising things that even though you can say the Broncos schedule hasn't been so good, I mean they're still winning football games, so you still tip your cap to that. And the Raiders won kind of a sweater in overtime this past week over the Miami Dolphins led by Jacoby Brissett. So yeah, I think again, both teams, if you ask me, should have won last week. But I think again, you still win. It's still football. We we don't pick like you don't just decide based on spreads who wins the game. So good for both of them. Again, getting the job done, winning, remaining tied for first place in that AFC West. I'm curious, Corey, out of, between those two teams, which team do you think has the best chance to, like, keep it going? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna ride with the Raiders here. I mean, I think the Broncos are a good team on both sides of the ball. But, I mean, the Raiders through three weeks have beaten the Ravens. The, the um, I'm blanking. Steelers. Oh, Ravens, they go into Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers on the road. And then, I mean, they beat a solid Miami team. So, I think through three games, like, I think I think the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, not saying they're going to win the AFC West because I don't think they're going to. But, I mean, amongst these two, I think, I think I'm going to ride with the Raiders here. I think their defense has looked much improved. And, obviously, Derek Carr is balling out right now. He's uh, playing with tons of confidence. You can just see it. And... Yeah, I mean, I think the Broncos are a good team. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders here. I think they have a better chance of uh, keeping this up. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think from what I've seen on the field, and it's not necessarily a knock on the Broncos because they took care of business against the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. But, again, I've seen the Raiders beat teams who I think are playoff-worthy teams, whereas the Broncos can't really say much about that. But the Raiders were able to squeeze that win because Daniel Carson was able to hit a field goal in overtime. But, Corey, that was only one of four game-winning field goals that happened this weekend. Carson's field goal was big in overtime, but there was no one bigger than Justin Tucker. 66 yards to win. Uh, NFL record beat Matt Prater's record of 64 yards. And Matt Prater's record was kicked in Denver. So, so some people might be like, oh, well, the air's thinner. So that, that was a, what you were called a Mickey Mouse record anyway. Justin Tucker didn't do his indoors. It doinked off the crossbar, went back in. Uh, Lamar Jackson was able to make a great play to Sammy Watkins to kind of set that up. People will say there might have been a delay of game call in between that pass to uh, Watkins and the field goal. But listen, you can't deny Justin Tucker absolute ice in his veins. Core is a kicker, man. There's probably I mean, that's that, that's what you live for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as a kicker myself, love to see uh, kickers coming up clutch this weekend. But, yeah, I mean, Justin Tucker, I think definitely the the goat of all kickers. I think his field goal percentage is like over 90%. But, yeah, I mean, that Lamar Jackson on 4th and 19, I mean, if you're the Lions, like how are you like giving that up? I mean, offensive line improvised pretty well. Obviously, Lamar can move. But, I mean, 4th and 19, like pretty deep in Baltimore, like in, his, in their own territory, like – their win probability at that time probably was like at least 95%. But 
I mean, Tucker, I don't I don't know if any other kicker in the league is accurate enough from 66 yards to put that right down the middle. I saw he gives a little crow hop uh, to, to generate a little power, a little more power. Obviously, it was all he needed, hit the crossbar and through. So, yeah, I mean, the Ravens squeezed by the Lions. I think the Lions have been a competitive team. I know uh, through three weeks, kind of, I mean, kind of got blown out against Green Bay, but it's more competitive game than what the score said. But, yeah, I mean, Baltimore squeezes by, kind of shorthanded right now. But, you know, the GOAT, Justin Tucker, ice in his veins, he's got them to put him to 2-1. and one. I mean, when you think of people who must absolutely hate Justin Tucker, Detroit Lions fans, the last time <laughs> before this weekend that the Ravens played in Detroit, uh, it was a Monday night football game. This was like, I think it was when Tucker was a rookie. It was like 2013. He could have been a rookie in 2012. I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure the year was 2013. Tucker hit a 61-yarder on Monday Night Football to beat the Lions. Now he's hitting a 66-yarder to gut those fans. I mean, listen, the Detroit Lions, I've said coming into the year, I didn't have high expectations for them, obviously. I think they're still going to be a bad team, but they are not in no way, shape, or form the worst team in football. They have consistently battled with the 49ers, the Ravens, and they gave the the Packers a really good half of football on Monday night. They're going to upset a team soon. I smell it coming. Their offensive line's good. Goth is manageable. DeAndre Swift is having a huge year out of the backfield. But um, I'm going to move on to another... Game-winning field goal that was set up by a huge drive by a bad man core. Aaron Rodgers silences the haters for another week. I think it was like a 37-second drive. He had that huge pass to Devontae Adams. An old man, Mason Crosby, does the job. He's made tons of clutch kicks in his career. And he did another one on Sunday night to kind of kill the 49ers 3-0 hopes. Um, Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, again, with all of America watching, just has a nice little smirk on his face and was like, relax, I told you so. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, uh, after week one, I mean, a 38-3 L looks pretty bad. But, I mean, if, if there's anyone I'm going to trust, honestly not. Brady, probably number one. But, I mean, if there's another guy in the league I'm probably going to trust over the course of the years, it's got to be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's just always um, put that team in a position to win. And, yeah, I mean, 37 seconds. It's almost like that um, time against the Cowboys. Like, you just leave too much time for the guy. He doesn't even need a timeout. He knows he's got a really reliable kicker, and Mason Crosby drives down the field. And, I mean, Mason Crosby, I have not seen miss a field goal, and I don't even know. I see that guy kick. It's automatic. I don't get it. Just the ball's right down the middle. Credit to him. But, yeah, I mean, this is a big win for the Packers, improved to 2-1. and one. Obviously, a team, um, the 49ers, I know they beat them last year. I think um, Nick Mullins was playing for the 49ers, but mm-hmm. in previous years, um, They've kind of struggled with this team, and they were up, I think, what was it, seven? Was it 17 to nothing, I think? The yeah, Packers, yeah, they were up 17 nothing. Up 17 nothing, almost blow a lead, but to come back and, uh, and win this game is that very quality win on the road against um, against a good San Francisco 49ers team. Just Aaron Rodgers, just you can't leave this guy any time, and he proved that uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I love those memes where it was like the. Packers fans sitting down and all the 49ers fans standing up and it's like they left too much time on the clock but the last of the four game-winning field goals we're going to touch briefly on because I'll definitely get into it later young white coup again you could argue one of the best kickers in football last year I think he led the league in points actually kicked the game-winning field goal against the New York Giants that again just uh got the Atlanta Falcons in the win column and put the Giants at 0-3 and put a lot of question marks around their uh 
season really on what's going to happen. But like I said, I'll get into that a little later. But moving to another storyline that has developed core, the rookie QBs. We've talked all offseason about how great the class was and that there's five quarterbacks in the top 15. They're now one in nine uh, as starters. And the only reason why there's a win is because Zach Wilson and Mac Jones, they played each other. So one of them had to win. I mean, yes, they could have realistically tied, but they had to win. I mean, awful. Justin Fields made his NFL starting debut because he did play a little bit, uh, a couple packages. He came in relief of Andy Dalton in week two when he got hurt um, against the Cleveland Browns. Not a, not an ideal day to make your debut. Not when Jason Peters, a guy who's really like 38, 39 years old, who was signed late in the offseason, has to go against Miles Garrett. Uh, yeah, Fields was kind of just thrown to the wolves in this game. And I feel bad for him in a way. I mean, listen, I think he finished with like 60 yards. He was like six for 20 with 60 yards passing. I mean, that is just brutal. Wasn't really putting us in a place like to succeed. But like what I just don't get is that if like all offseason, your whole thing was like Andy Dalton is our starter because Fields like isn't ready yet. And because like Andy Dalton is that, then like I know this is going to kind of sound crazy, I guess. And maybe because it's hindsight, like that's why I'm saying it. But like Nick Foles is that, you know what I mean? If you really didn't think Justin Fields is ready, then you go to a more pro-ready guy, guy who's won before, like Nick Foles. Listen, I think the Chicago fans would have rioted, but you look at what happens when you kind of put a guy maybe a little bit too early. And I know I've definitely vouched for these young QBs to get on the field, but you got to err with caution because, again, you put a guy like Fields out there, good for Justin Fields for, like, being tough all game. And I hope he's able to come out whenever he does, because if he doesn't start this week, whenever his next start is, and really kind of – like move on from this and just put this in his past because again, getting sacked nine times could be something that uh really like kind of sticks in your head. So I'm hoping for Justin Fields in the best, but Chicago, yeah, you you set a you set a young QB up to fail, which um like that, that just can't happen, Matt Nagy. I mean, Miles Garrett has four and a half sacks on the afternoon, just going right by um the Chicago O line, and yeah, I mean in college, I thought it was like kind of clear, Justin Fields when I watched him seemed to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. And obviously his own line was terrible. I mean, obviously he's got some growing to do in the NFL, obviously still holding on to the ball a little bit long sack nine times. I mean, I, I think like obviously not putting us in um, a situation to succeed, but I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I'd say it's more the O line and Matt Nagy's offense, but, I mean, to get sacked nine times, like, I don't know, like, take nine sacks is actually ridiculous. But uh, I don't know. I think Justin Fields is going to be a good quarterback in this league. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's not ready. Obviously, six for 20 for 68 yards. That's not a great, like, full debut. So I don't know. I'm not, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Maybe Matt Nagy, he might be on the hot seat eventually if – um. The Bears drop a game at home against the winless Lions, and I'm not sure, but I mean, if I'm a Bears fan, I'm kind of like, I don't even know, like I kind of, I'm just embarrassed. After what happened in this game, I mean, the Cleveland Browns have nine sacks, it's just unheard of, and the Cle- in the in the Chicago Bears offense, it's currently looking equivalent to like a Division two college football team right now, it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, you got to make it easy for Justin Fields. Get him on the move. Utilize his legs and what makes him so good. But hopefully, we'll see what happens this week. I know they said that all three quarterbacks are up for like the starting job. He's, he's not naming what's one of the starter yet. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Justin Fields, though, 
was not the only rookie quarterback to struggle this week. I know Mac Jones had a tough outing against the New Orleans Saints. And then Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, those guys are now tied with the interception lead at seven. The next highest has four. And again, it just almost like leads you to this thing. Both teams are 0-3, by the way, the Jets and the Jaguars. I mean, they have no help. So I think that's also something that doesn't like obviously help them at all. But like, I mean, it just goes to question like why some of these college QBs are like kind of having trouble now in this year. I mean, you look at last year, guys like Joe Burrow even came on the scene and had a good year. And Justin Herbert too, like Herbert takes the league by storm. Honestly, a guy who like, if you look at his last two years in college and then look at his NFL uh, rookie season, he, NFL rookie season, he was 10 times better than he was in college. He finally put it all together. Now it's almost like these guys are struggling. I think part of the reason, again, is just the lack of talent around them. I think you could definitely say that the Jaguars and the Jets have bottom three rosters in the league, bottom five, if you want to be safe. Uh, yeah, but like even like Trevor, one of Trevor Lawrence's throws, it was like a flea flicker. First of all, just an awful play call. Second of all, Trevor, you really shouldn't be throwing the ball off your back foot. But I get like at the end of the day, these guys are trying to make things happen. You could say maybe like you could point to Clemson. Look how bad Clemson's doing without Trevor Lawrence that because like they were such a bad offense, like schematically, maybe like Trevor Lawrence was able to carry them because of how talented he is. But now when Trevor Lawrence goes to the NFL, you know what I mean? He's play, like it's a huge learning curve for him. Zach Wilson, maybe you could point to him playing at BYU. And now he's playing around a lot of other like co- like better competition, much better competition. So that like guys who are really open, obviously, in BYU, people in the NFL now are able to close out on that so much more. Whereas like somebody who played at a higher school, you know what I mean? Maybe played more NFL competition. But I'm not exactly sure what it is. Listen, it's only week three. I'm not going to completely overreact on the any of these young quarterbacks, Fields, Jones, Lawrence, or Wilson. But I don't know. It is concerning. You know what I mean? You'd love to see these guys come in and have success right away. Because like I said, I've always been an advocate for putting these guys on the field. But uh, yeah, I think I think I actually wanted all five rookie quarterbacks to start. And uh, it's not really, they're not really proving me right so far. So hopefully they can get some more experience under their belt and just get some more confidence. You know what I mean? Get a young kid's confidence up and kind of these guys deserve to play in the NFL. So I, I kind of want to see that swagger from a lot of these guys and kind of be like, all right, I deserve to be here. I can make these throws. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously the talent is not an issue. I just think obviously football is a, is a team sport. I mean, like basketball, like Kate Cunningham, he'll probably put up solid numbers for a rookie. I mean, it's an individual, more of an individual sport. Like you can go and get your, your baskets, set up your teammates. But in football, I mean, if you have – a bad old line and I mean, not great playmakers on the outside. Like it's tough for a quarterback to succeed right away, especially with, um, just like, especially with, I mean, urban Meyer, like no disrespect, obviously a first year coach. He's, he's been, he's used to the college game said something like last week. Like it feels like he's playing Alabama every week. And, um, I don't know how good that is, but I hope that, Zach Wilson, guys like Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, like like you said, um, Trevor Lawrence had a terrible throw on that flea flicker. I think right now, I think taking so many sacks and just being under so much pressure, like I don't I hope they're not losing confidence because obviously the talent is there, but like currently, like even when these guys do have time, they're just not looking really good. But this was uh, supposed to be a really good quarterback class, so I'm confident these guys will turn it around, but like right now, like I would say Mac Jones is in the best position, but like Justin Fields currently, Zach Wilson, and Trevor Lawrence, they're all in 
pretty awful offenses to succeed. So uh, for them, I guess, just keep grinding away year one. Hopefully it's more of a learning curve. And then um, I know it's, it's only three games, but like hopefully if you're, if you're the coaches, like you're the GMs of these organizations, you just want to see some type of progress throughout the season. Um, obviously not make the playoffs for these teams because like none of them are playoff caliber really. But yeah, I think you just want to see some progress and um, yeah, continue to build. But right now it's looking kind of tough. Yeah, and it doesn't necessarily have to be um, like crazy stats, right? It just has to be like even even something as silly as like, oh, he threw the ball away like a second earlier than he would have a week ago. You know what I mean? Like something that you could finally take from it and learning. And you're right too when you mentioned how like it, there's just so much more than the quarterback position. These guys already have so much pressure on them to come in as high draft picks. And then to almost like, again, like it's not just them, it's everybody else. Obviously they are at the head of it. Uh, I was mentioning too, I really was only referring to the first round quarterbacks, but I guess I'll show a little love to Davis Mills. So technically all rookie quarterbacks are one in 10 because David Mills did start that Thursday night football game. David Mills actually kind of impressed me a little bit. I thought he wasn't going to be as pro ready. And uh, he did give me a, uh, whatchamacallit, a little bit like, all right, this guy's, a, this guy's a ball player for sure. So I'd love to see him maybe in the future get a couple more starts. But moving on quarter, the next part, uh, Let's, let's start talking about some teams that uh, should start really worrying about right now. We're flipping the calendar to October, three weeks in. Uh, Corey, I guess I'll start with you first. As a team, we, we said the criteria here was either one or two, one and two or worse. So, Corey, what team do you think should uh, hit the panic button right now and definitely has to make a change somewhere? Yeah, for this panic button, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um like a team who came into this year with some type of like solid expectations, and with a team that's one and I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, um, 50 points in three games, just not going to cut it. That's under 20 points a game. Their defense is really elite. TJ Watt didn't play this week, but like, especially Big Ben at this stage in his career, obviously they just got a running game, but like you're just behind most of the game. You have to throw the ball. Threw the ball 58 times this week. Um, Yeah, I would hit the real panic button. On the Pittsburgh Steelers, I just think Big Ben, I mean, the thing about the Steelers team, like, at, since, I don't think this is a fluke, because obviously they got off to that really good start last year, but, like, when things went south, they really went south, obviously lost in the first round of the playoffs to the Browns, and, like, since then, they, they, they're they 1-2 and two this year, Um, one week, one against the Bills, I'm surprised they won that easy to be on three, but, yeah, I mean, the Pittsburgh Steelers here, I, I think they're in some real trouble here I think Big Ben I don't know if he wants to keep playing like I just think Big Ben has really seen like like I think he's kind of washed like I think he's seen definitely better days and I think from the Pittsburgh Steelers I'm not saying give Dwayne Haskins a look but like I think they got to start looking into the future for a new quarterback because I think Big Ben like his days at Pittsburgh Steelers I think I don't know how much longer they are, and I don't know how effective he still is because his offense is just a very, like, dry, boring – like, they, they just don't do much. And I think their defense is really good, and it's a shame. Their offense is so, like, lackadaisical right now and just can't really provide any type of energy, it seems like. So I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team uh, I really would hit the panic button for. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Steelers, they were kind of behind the eight ball this week. No Deontay Johnson. And on defense, they were missing a bunch of starters uh, highlighted by T.J. Watt. But, yeah, kind of 
getting embarrassed back to back weeks at home against the Raiders and the Bengals, man. Like, how do you like the Bengals at home? Are you kidding me? Like, that is a division rival. That's a team that, if you ask me, the Steelers should have wanted to kind of avenge that loss that they had on Monday Night Football last year, but they weren't able to do it. And they, like I said, they got embarrassed. Their offensive line isn't good at all, so I won't completely throw Ben Roethlisberger under the bus. But um, yeah, you know what? I, like, I do think that they're in big trouble. I think they need to turn it around. I mean, look look at them week one. They were able to get by within a week one, right, leaning on their defense. They're going to have to do a lot more of that this year. But I'm going to point to another team core that the offense is very stagnant. The New York Giants, everything that happened good with the New York Giants in week two on the offensive side of the ball kind of went backwards in week three. Daniel Jones didn't really ha- run any read options. Jason Garrett, that's kind of on you. Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard go down early from the offensive side of the ball. So you would think Kadarius Tony would get more involved. I think he still only had two catches. Kenny Galladay, too, is a little banged up. So you're leaning on guys like Colin Johnson and CJ Board to give you like a lot of snaps, which isn't ideal. But then on the defensive side of the ball, you use Blake Martinez, too. He's still having trouble tackling guys like Cordero Patterson, who gave them fits out of the backfield, dropping interceptions, uh, continuing to be undisciplined. I think the Giants are like fourth in the league in penalty yards, which is just disgusting again. Um, they waste timeouts. I mean, it's ugly with the Giants. You were 0-3 with your easiest stretch of the schedule by far. Now they have to go play like New Orleans. They have Dallas, the Rams, and the Panthers on deck. I mean, you're putting yourself, again, in such almost an impossible situation to meet any preseason expectations because, um, yeah, you're missing opportunities to win games. You're shooting yourself in the foot. I'm sure that later in the week, too, I'll get more in-depth with that game and stuff like that. But, core another couple teams that I think I kind of want to mention, team that the Giants are fighting with in that division, the Washington football team. I mean, their defense has just been invisible. And honestly, right with them, the Indianapolis Colts at 0-3. I know they had three very tough games. I mean, both these teams are two of the best defenses in the league, and they've kind of uh, not been there uh, in the first three weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously the football team um, had a very promising I mean, their defensive line was uh, was very elite last year, and I don't know, they're just not really getting to the quarterback as much. I know, uh, I mean, you're getting torched week after week. I mean, they've given them 92 points in three games. For, um, I don't know, for a team that leans on their defense, like, I don't know, it's been it's been pretty tough. And obviously the Colts, pretty, um, they've had a really tough schedule through the first three games, but like they have not risen to the occasion. I know they, uh, they did lose by three points to the, to the Rams, but I mean, a loss is a loss. So yeah, I mean, these two teams are looking kind of tough, but you know, a team whose defense might be, I don't know, a team who really impressed me is Dallas Cowboys after, after Monday night. Um, I don't know their defense. Like, obviously we knew this offense was, uh, was pretty elite. They have elite playmakers, Dak Prescott, obviously a franchise quarterback. But I mean, this defense on Monday night was just all over the field. Uh, Trayvon Diggs had a pick six. They were just, I don't know, like Jalen Hurts was getting absolutely swarmed. I mean, obviously the Eagles offense and O-line is obviously not great, but I don't know. I'll give some credit to the Cowboys defense there. I mean, if they can, uh, if they could play somewhat like that for the rest of the season, I think this Cowboys team could um should definitely win the NFC East. 
Yeah, Corey, we were talking about this like really right after the Monday Night Football game. And then we were kind of like, yo, we got to somehow mention Dallas Cowboys. So you talk about a unit that's up good this week, which we're going to start bringing this in every week. We got up good. We got down bad. The Dallas Cowboys defense led by Dan Quinn, they're up good this week. They're sl- they slept well after that Monday Night Football game because after only giving up 17 points to a good Chargers offense in week one, uh, in week two, excuse me, week three, they were great against Philadelphia. They gave Jalen Hurts all sorts of trouble. They did this actually to Jalen Hurts last year as well. Uh, that was Jalen Hurts' really worst start uh, up until that point this, this past week, in which, again, he wasn't able to do anything. Trayvon Diggs has taken a huge step forward in year two. The second-round pick out of Alabama has really became, like, the leader of that secondary, which, again, they lost Chidobe Awuzie. They lost Byron Jones two years ago now, but Awuzie left this past year, so they needed somebody to step up as a corner. So Diggs has been that guy. He had a huge pick six. He's had an interception every single game to this point. Yeah, with Demarcus Lawrence, too, out on their defensive line. A lot of question marks there, but Micah Parsons is helping out as well. Um, yeah, like I said, I would never think that this Dallas Cowboys defense would have been this good, but here we are. And if their defense could play like they showed out on Monday Night Football and even the past week against the Chargers, I think uh, this this like they could they're a serious, they are the favorites then in the NFC East for sure if they if they get this effort out of their defense. But I'm gonna turn it to another thing, Court. People who are up good this week, the kickers. I mean clutch kickers specifically. We we had four game winning field goals. How could you possibly say that kickers are not up good? I mean, yeah, I mean Daniel Carlson, Young Huku. Justin Tucker, Mason Crosby, I mean, the thing about kickers is, like, you don't do that much, but when it's your opportunity, you got to convert. And these guys, they came through in the clutch. Um, all of them, game-winning kicks, um, having a good kicker. This kicker myself is uh, is pretty crucial, and these guys proved that, getting, uh, getting all their team's Ws this week while coming up big. Okay, Core, and then that moves us to our down bad guys. Core, I'm going to start with this one first. You kind of mentioned the Steelers and Big Ben struggling this week, but the Steelers' hands were down bad this week. I mean, 10 drops, man, How, like that, that is inexcusable. They didn't even have Deontay Johnson, who's normally good for two to three drops. So, yeah, the Steelers' hands, man, they, they, they got to figure something out there in the Steel City. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like you said, you think, you think 10 drops, you're like, oh, Deontay Johnson, he probably had about five. I mean, this guy didn't even play, so the fact that all these other guys, I don't even know who's, um, Claypool, I think, had a solid game, but I don't know. Yeah, 10 drops. I mean, I was killing Big Ben earlier. I mean, nothing the guy could do when he's getting, when he's 39 years old with a bad online, he's got guys dropping balls, so definitely um, steal his hands down bad this week. I will give it to Najee Harris, though. Najee Harris, he did have a couple drops as well, but he did also have 14 receptions, which is just absolutely absurd. So hats off to Najee Harris for finally really having a big NFL game, at least from a fantasy standpoint, we could say with that. Over 100 yards receiving now, so that's pretty impressive. But, Corey, yeah, you can continue. Oh, yeah, I mean, down down bad. Uh, Carson Wentz, obviously, um, coming off an ankle injury. I mean, yeah, you could say Carson Wentz ankle kind of down bad this week and they took another L to the to the Titans so on three Carson Wentz ankle definitely down bad yeah I mean when you have two sprained ankles that's definitely meets the, meets the criteria for that and one alarming thing about the Indianapolis Colts is that they did trade their first round pick for this next season and now they are 0-3 so uh, something to watch out for. One last person down bad. I mean, first of all, it's been awesome to kind of have the ESPN2 with Peyton and Eli Manning. You're kind of flip back and forth because sometimes I just can't take it seriously. Eli Manning's throwing up the finger um, about Philadelphia. Like, it's great. But um, 
poor Le- LeBron James gets on it the other day. And he just he's talking right about his football career or whatever, and he he said some comment like along the lines he was like yeah like I would have played I would have like if it wasn't for my high school quarterback or whatever like getting me hit too much or whatever like I would still be I would have played football longer or something like that like poor LeBron's high school QB gets thrown under the bus the poor guy's probably watching the game with his family or something like that he's like oh yeah I threw LeBron passes in high school and then LeBron just absolutely roasts him man. It's just unbelievable. It was uncalled for from LeBron James. But, uh, yeah, that guy, LeBron's high school QB, I mean, you talk about a guy who's uh, had to bite the bullet this past week. Yeah, I mean, LeBron – I don't know. This guy, LeBron James, is a top three basketball player of all time. Like, this guy doesn't need to to throw his high school quarterback under the bus who is just nowhere near as successful as LeBron James. So, yeah, I mean, definitely uncalled for. And – uh yeah, I mean LeBron James, obviously six foot eight, and um, just built. He's pretty. He's built different. So, if LeBron's saying his quarterback come throw him the ball, I mean this guy, his quarterback must have been pretty bad at uh, I guess St. Vincent St. Mary. So, poor, poor guy got thrown under the bus here. All right. One other thing I will go for. I guess we'll go for the Cardinals field goal unit if you want to say. Uh, keep it more like on the field football related. Matt Prater attempts a 68 yard field goal. So if you can link Matt Prater into this, not only does his record get broken, he had a chance to rebreak his record with a 68 yard. It came up short. And not only does he come up short, uh, Jamal Agnew takes it 109 yards to the house. So the Cardinals field goal unit and their special teams unit, I mean, it sucks. You know what I mean? You're down bad. So moving on to our game pick score. Uh, we're kind of, kind of, some of these games are kind of breezed through. Uh, we got a Thursday night football game. We'll start with the, Battle of the former number one overall picks and Joe Burrow and Trevor Lawrence. Bengals seven and a half points at home after a big win by the Bengals on a short week. I think it's kind of a little bit of a letdown spot. The Jaguars have shown me absolutely nothing that I should even back them. But I'll, I'll take the Jaguars with the points here and I'll take the Bengals to ultimately win the game because the Bengals, if you ask me, just have no business being more than a touchdown favorite over anybody. I still am not bought in completely with this Bengals team. Not even close. Oh, yeah, nah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying the Bengals are uh, a playoff team, but I don't know. I was looking at this kind of early, and I was hoping that the the Bengals would be like, like minus four and a half, and I'd get a steal on the on the line. But, yeah, minus seven and a half is steep, but I just can't back the Jaguars in any scenario right now. So I'll go with, um, I'll go with Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals minus seven and a half. Moving on to the Sunday slate, the Giants travel to New Orleans for the first time. There will be a football game in New Orleans, a regular season football game in New Orleans, and play the Saints. The Saints are seven and a half point favorites here. I mean, come on now. There's no way I'm picking against my guys. As much pain and suffering they can cause me, I'll take the Giants with the points uh, and to win the game. Ultimately, I think the Giants, they can clean it up on the offensive side of the ball, start finishing drives more. And their defense, somebody's going to need to step up with Blake Martinez out. But again, I think the Saints, they just had a big week. In New England, obviously they're going to come home. It's going to be kind of an emotional game for them in that sense. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the Giants here, like I said, because I'm uh, one of the most biased people out there. I got a question quick. Um, if the Giants are playing the Rams in L.A. and they're 13-point underdogs, are you still taking the Giants to win the game? Come on now. What do you think? <laughs> I'll say that. I'll, make, I'll spin some funny line to say how the Giants uh, will win that game. But, yeah, you can go, you, that's a good one. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, minus seven and a half, kind of steep. I think the Giants, I would say they keep it close. But, I mean, first game in New Orleans after the hurricane, I got to back the Saints here. So I'll take, uh, I'll take New Orleans minus seven and a half. 
Yeah, it is, it is the hurricane game. I was telling everybody about the Tulane hurricane game, their first game uh, of the season this year against Oklahoma, almost upset them. Now it's kind of – it was the hurricane game week one, technically, the first game for the Saints, and now it's like hurricane, hurricane game number two because they're back. So uh, tough, tough spot for the Giants here. Uh, moving on, Washington uh, travels to Atlanta with the Falcons. Washington, one-and-a-half-point favorites here, and I have to go with Washington. I'm not sold on that Atlanta team. I just watched them again. They didn't – show me anything good their offense is very stagnant their defense was all right but again if you ask me it was just the giants more um than anything just hurting themselves so yeah i'm gonna go with washington bouncing back here i mean i just can't i I think their defense eventually has to get it going and i think this is the week against a weak front for atlanta i love washington here to get to uh two and two on the season yeah i agree with you here i think this is a week where um i think the washington football's defense has to get back on track if they get torched by uh, by this Falcons offense, who's usually pretty explosive, but I mean, hasn't looked at so far this year. If they get torched by this offense, uh, definitely be worried like fully on this Washington football defense. So, and they get back on track here, I'll take uh, the football team minus one and a half. Okay, moving on to the Texans traveling to Buffalo to play the Bills, probably the most popular pick in any survivor pool. Bills are 16 point favorites. Um, you got Mills Mafia versus Bills Mafia. Um, I'm going to go with the Texans with the points here because, again, I think 16 is just too many. I'll go with the Bills to win the game. Uh, the Bills got on track this past week, beat Washington big. But like I said, I think just 16 is too much. So I'll, I'll for the most part, stick with uh, like stick against them. I think, like I said, Davis Mills on a longer week. He, played, he impressed me a lot against that Carolina defense uh, in a sense that on a short week, you know what I mean? He didn't look. Too too overwhelmed in a sense. I know later in the game, maybe you can say. So yeah, with a longer week, really, I, I like um, the Texans at least to be a little bit more competitive in this one. Yeah, I mean minus sixteen and a half is just too many points for me to, to take the Bills here. So I'll take the I'll take the Texans in uh, in, in Mills Mafia plus sixteen and a half, but definitely take the Bills to uh, to win the game. Okay, moving on to uh, a battle of the NFC North. The Lions are three-point underdogs. They travel to Chicago to play the Bears. I'm going to take the Lions both ways here uh, to cover and to win the game. Ultimately, I've said for a while that the Lions are a lot better than their record. And the Bears are honestly, like, they are brutal. They are a bottom eight team in the NFL. Uh, like I said, their offense is very stale. They haven't, they have no deep passing attack. And their defense isn't as good as it once was, I think. The Lions can be very physical with this one. I think the Lions, after playing the Ravens tough and kind of uh, having their hearts broken, they finally get in the win column this week. And Dan Campbell has his first win of his NFL career, coaching career. Yeah, I think the Lions being competitive, um, a win, a win's got to be coming soon. And I think against a team who just gave up nine sacks, obviously the Browns' front is way better than the Lions. But I don't know. I think. Uh, the Bears currently riding some some very negative momentum. And um, the Lions kind of pissed after Justin Tucker hits a 66-yarder. Like, he probably doesn't hit that against any other team but the Lions. So, I'll take the Lions plus three and to win the game. All right, moving on to the Panthers traveling to Dallas to play the Cowboys. Cowboys four-and-a-half-point favorites here. The Panthers do have a long week, but they will be without Christian McCaffrey this game, who hurt his hamstring. He'll be out a couple weeks there. And... I think it's going to be a little too much, as good as the Panthers' defense has been. The Cowboys' defense really impressed me. Their offense, obviously, is very good. I think this is finally a good test, too, for the Panthers' defense. I don't really think they haven't really played a great offense yet. So, uh, yeah, I like the Cowboys here uh, to cover and win the game. I think, uh, like I said, as much as I hate to say it, 
they are a true playoff contender this year. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Yeah, I love Dallas here. I love um, minus four and a half. I think the Panthers are a solid team. Uh, obviously beat the Jets week one and uh, the Texans week two. Came up with a big win at home against the Saints. But I think Dallas uh, is going to be the best offense by far they faced this year. And, I mean, hey, their defense looked pretty good. So I think as a whole, obviously, the best team they're going to play this year. In Dallas, I like, uh, I like the Cowboys minus four and a half. Okay, moving down south to Miami. The Dolphins are hosting the Colts. The Dolphins are two-point favorites here in the Jacoby Brissett revenge game. But I really don't see it. I think that, again, like they're out, like Jacoby Brissett, he battled in that game against Vegas. They came back late to tie it. But, again, the Colts had a real tough schedule to open up. They opened up with the Seahawks, the Rams, and the Titans. Uh, yes, Carson Wentz is a little banged up. Yes, the defense hasn't played good. But it's almost like at some point they have to finally figure it out. I think it will be this week against the Dolphins. I'll take them with the points and to win. Yeah, I mean, this kind of sounds like a trap. Um, but the Colts are, Colts are own three. Uh, I mean, against Jacoby Brissett, I don't know. I just, this just sounds like such a trap, but I'll, I'll fall for it. I'll take the Colts here plus two and to win the game. They got to get on the board eventually because uh, I know next week they play the Ravens, a uh, a pretty strong team. So, yeah, I'll take the Colts to finally get their first win here. Yeah, Quinn Nelson is banged up, so maybe that reflects a little bit of the line. But, yeah, I do feel I do think this is like should be more of a pick if you ask me. But the Browns are uh, also two-point favorites traveling to the Vikings in the first matchup between Kevin Stefanski against his old team. So you could say it's a Kevin Stefanski revenge game in a way, even though technically he was pro- – like. He was promoted. He wasn't like fired out of Minnesota, but I'm going to take the Vikings both ways here. I think obviously that organization, they know a ton about Kevin Stefanski and what they're going to do. They basically run the same thing there. So they practice against it all the time. And yeah, like I said, I just think the familiarity there about the Browns will help them. I think the Vikings, like, even though they're only one and two, I think they're a lot better than their record shows. They finally got on the board the past week against Seattle and at home. I think they get another one. I think they beat the Browns here. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings at one and two, Easily could be two and one. Easily could be three and zero. Oh. So I don't know. Kirk Cousins quietly, very quietly, having a very impressive start through these first three games. Eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, with a whole lot of yards. So I'll take the Vikings here at home. Uh, obviously, plus two and to win the game. Yeah, interesting to see if they get Dalvin Cook back, who didn't miss last week, but they were able to win with Adam Alexander Madison over a hundred yards total. Uh, had a good game at filling in. The Titans traveled to New York to play the Jets. Titans are seven-point favorites here. There's just watching the Jets against the Broncos. There's no way I can back the Jets at all. So I'll take the Titans minus seven. You know what? I have to take the Jets plus seven and a half. But I don't know. I'm not as biased as you. I'll take the Jets to cover um, a tad over a touchdown. So, but I, I don't think they'll win the game. I think they dropped to 0-4. But, yeah, I think the Titans win the game. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites playing the Philadelphia Eagles in a game that hopefully Andy Reid will be fully recovered from. I know he had a little bit of a scare after the game. Hopefully he's in good health. But, yeah, going against his former employer, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs losing three straight games, absolutely not. I will go with the Chiefs minus seven here. I know last week I think I said the Chiefs losing back-to-back games. No way. But I am doubling down on that. The Dallas offense was able to drop 40-something points on Philadelphia's defense. It looked really good in weeks one and two. So, yeah, I think the Chiefs are able to uh, get back on track this game and uh, beat the Eagles here. Yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, 
there's just zero chance. I'm going to say it on this episode. And if they do lose, I mean, you can call me me a um, pretty trash at this. But there's just no way Patrick Mahomes is dropping three straight games. I think he goes into Philly. I think uh, the Chiefs win this game and uh, cover minus seven. All right, moving on to our next game. NFC West battle of 3-0 and teams. The Arizona Cardinals travel to Los Angeles to play the Rams. Rams right now, the number's four and a half. They are uh, favored by. Um, this one I've been going back and forth with at the number. I think the Rams will ultimately win the game. It scares me a little bit in the sense that the Rams just got such a big win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But you know what? I didn't pick the Cardinals to make the playoffs, so I've, I've always been a little skeptical about them. So... I'm going to still stay with that. I'm going to go with the Rams minus four and a half here. I just think they are the better team ultimately. I think the step up in competition for the Cardinals too uh, might get to them. They haven't played a team on the Rams level. I know they did play the Titans, but again, I think the Rams are much, much, uh, will be a much better, are a much better team than the Titans. So I'll go with the Rams here minus four and a half. And what should be a good game, but I think ultimately they'll be a little too much for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this will be a really good game. I'll take I'll take the Cardinals plus four and a half. I mean, they were my prediction to win the NFC West. And you know what? I don't know. It's tough to see this Rams team losing, but I mean, maybe a little bit of a letdown game after um after beating the defending Super Bowl champs. I think Kyler Murray goes in L.A. and uh, and gets a win here. So I'll take the Cardinals. Okay, fair enough. Another NFC West matchup between the other two teams. The Seahawks travel to San Francisco. The Niners two and a half point favorites here. Both teams coming off a loss. It would be crazy if you asked me to see the Seahawks fall to one and three, but the 49ers losing back-to-back weeks at home. I don't think so. Hopefully they get Elijah Mitchell back in the backfield and they can run the ball. They weren't able to really run the ball well at all against Green Bay. So I'll take the Niners here minus two and a half. I think, like I said, they get back on track and prove that they are um, the best competitor in this division to the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go opposite again here. I think the the Seahawks bounce back from a. From from a loss in Minnesota, I think they uh, they go out against a division rival and uh, and win this game. So I'll take the Hawks plus two and a half. Okay, moving on to uh, uh, some of the later games in the afternoon. The Ravens travel to Denver. The Broncos are one point favorites here. Uh, even after the Ravens squeak out that win against the Lions, the Broncos have played the Giants, the Jets, and the Jaguars. This is a huge step up in competition here. So I like the Ravens here, plus one, and to win the game. Uh, like I said, they've been playing with fire. They've won their two games by a combined three points. But they, hopefully they get a lot of guys back from their injury report. I know this past week they lost a lot of their pieces on their defense. But maybe Rashad Bateman makes his NFL debut this week. They get a couple other guys back on that defense, like I said. So I like the Ravens here um, against the Broncos. Yeah, I think um, the Broncos, obviously, I'm not saying that the Broncos are not good, but to go from the Jets, Jaguars, and Giants to the Ravens is a big step. I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying they're not up for it, but I think, I just think, like, ultimately, like, a a step up in competition, like, that quick, I think uh, the Ravens take it to them a little bit here. So I'll take the Ravens plus one to win. Okay, moving on to... Uh, another real good matchup, a rematch of Super Bowl 44, I believe this was, maybe 45. The Steelers traveled to Green Bay to play the Packers. Packers, six-and-a-half-point favorites here. Uh, the Steelers, like I said, getting also getting a lot of guys back on the defensive side of the football. So I'll take the Steelers with the points here, but ultimately the Packers to win. I just think, again, it'll be a closer game with um, Rodgers maybe getting uh, – 
a lot of pressure on the edge from TJ Watt, and even now Stephen Tewitt's supposed to make his uh, season debut here. But ultimately, I think the Packers win this one. Yeah, honestly, like I was saying, the Steelers are my most team for for panic, but I just think somehow I think more like these betting lines. Like if I if I didn't, if I didn't even know about betting, I, I would say that the Packers are probably going to blow them out. But I don't know. I feel like this is a line the Packers might have a lot of money on them, so I'll take the Steelers. Plus six and a half. I don't think they'll win the game, but yeah, I'll take them plus six and a half and Packers to win. All right, Corey, the most anticipated regular season game in some time. Tom Brady returns to New England to face off against Bill Belichick Sunday night football. The Buccaneers are seven point favorites here. Uh, emotions are going to be high. Whoever wins this game, you're not going to hear the end of it about, oh, uh, if Brady wins, obviously all oh, Belichick's a product of Brady and vice versa. Like I said, Buccaneers seven point favorites here coming off a loss against the Rams. I think this is a really shove it spot for Tom Brady again to wants to show the Patriots why he's winning this divorce. And uh, so I'll go with the Buccaneers here to win in prime time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I looked at this line Friday, like no, I'm saying Sunday night, like while the 49ers were playing the Packers, and it was at minus a half, five and a half currently up to minus seven so this line continues to rise i have a feeling like everyone has the same idea slamming the buccaneers i think the buccaneers win but i think the patriots even with mac jones i think bill belichick is also um he might have a little chip on his shoulder here to show that uh maybe it wasn't all tom brady um bill belichick was obviously the guy uh coaching the team so I'll take the Patriots plus seven, but obviously the Bucks. Uh, I, th- I think they won the game. Yeah, I honestly agree with you. I do think the, I think five and a half sounds like a much more realistic number than seven. It's almost like people are saying, "Oh, obviously Brady's going to do it, but Belichick's not." But it's like you're also kind of forgetting that Bill Belichick's one of the best coaches of all time. Granted, Tom Brady one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but still, Monday Night Football game, AFC West battle to wrap up our picks. Raiders travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Chargers three and a half point favorites here. I love what the Chargers were able to do coming off a loss in week two to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I think the Raiders have been playing with fire in a couple of their games. Obviously, that overtime win against the Ravens and then that overtime win this past week against the Dolphins. I think maybe their luck runs out a little bit in Vegas, uh, even though the game's not in Vegas. Uh, I'll take the Chargers here three and a half to win the uh, minus three and a half. Uh, ultimately, I just think they're the better team. They have a better roster. And I think that Justin Herbert's able to light it up on the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think um, the Raiders, obviously, 3-0. and they've been, uh, they've been a surprise team through three games and probably one of the best teams in the NFL so far. But, yeah, I think the Chargers at home, uh, obviously, the Raiders can't win every game. I think the Chargers are uh, probably a more talented team. So I'll take the Chargers here at home minus three and a half. All right, and that's going to wrap it up for our NFL portion of the show. Hopefully, um, we're able to keep hitting on our picks a little bit. I had, a, I had a tough week, too, but I bounced back a little bit week three. So I guess we're going to have to wait and see. But brings us into our NCAA. Uh, this brings us into our NCAA part of the show core. A decent week, if you ask me, of college football, really the last week of non-conference play and stuff like that. We have a great slate coming up on Saturday. But first, we got to talk about still what happened. You know what I mean? There were a couple upsets here and there. So... I guess we'll start first with one of the overarching themes, if you ask me. The ACC has just been a dumpster fire this year. We'll start with the biggest one. Clemson lost to NC State this past week in overtime. Uh, they fall to 2-2, two and two, and in the AP poll, they are ranked 25th. I think a lot of people would say that's crazy uh, before the season, but if you just watch them, it's just, they're just not it. DJ uh, has struggled at the quarterback position. I know even like, like – 
they had like second and five or whatever. They take like three shots to the end zone. NC State is a little bit of an underrated team. They had a bad lot like earlier in the year. I can't. I think they lost. They lost to Mississippi State. That's their only loss of the year. But they're a team. Uh, Devin Leary is their quarterback there. Very underrated. Um, yeah, I guess good for him and good for NC State in the sense that like they're like a mid pack ACC team now competing with the top. But I mean. If you're the ACC, I mean, Clemson's been the bread and butter of that conference for the past 10, eight to 10 years. Eh, I'll go back about, let's say six to eight years. But now you just, they all but lost their college football playoff hopes. So, uh, yeah, brutal loss there. Yeah, I mean, for someone who says, uh, who predicted DJ Ugalele to win the Heisman, I mean, let's just say it's been a, it's been a tough, tough four games. I mean, this Clemson offense... I don't know what's good with them. Maybe it just shows um, how good Trevor Lawrence was with Dabo Sweeney. But I don't know. Like, their defense is still pretty elite, in my opinion. But, I mean, their offense is just not doing anything. And you go against uh, – uh, you knew it was, like, kind of bad when you only beat Georgia Tech 14-8 to at home. And then you go into NC State and you put up 14 points in regulation – with uh, DJ Ugalele only throwing for 111 yards, like I don't know, I don't know what's good with this Clemson team. Um, maybe they're a product of Trevor Lawrence, which I don't think so. I think obviously before Trevor Lawrence was there, this team, uh, this was still a powerhouse. But I don't know. Right now, I mean, teams go through down years, but right now, Clemson struggling mightily, just like the rest of the ACC and. Um, I don't even know who the favorite of to win. I mean, might still be Clemson. I don't know who the fa- who who you who you could even say is the favorite of the ACC right now because Clemson certainly is not playing football at a high level at all. Yeah, I mean for sure. Uh, NC State, like I said, Clemson's ranked 25th. NC State jumped to 23 or 24. I believe they jumped to 20, 23. Wake Forest, another team in the ACC behind Sam Hartman, their quarterback, who had a great freshman year, uh, was beat out by Jamie Newman, and then the past two years had a lot better uh, success there. They're undefeated, too. They're actually ranked um, also at 24. So, I don't know. Now it's a lot more wide open than it's really been. Like I said, in the past couple of years, really, Clemson has ran that conference pretty well. Uh, I will say Clemson did have a bunch of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They lost uh, Skowski, their middle linebacker. Brian Brees, one of the best defenders, defensive linemen in college football, out for the year with a torn ACL. And their running back, too, Shipley, he got hurt late in that game. So I uh, hope for the best for them. But, yeah, definitely facing an uphill battle in that conference. Clemson, not the only ACC powerhouse, though, to lose. North Carolina has really came on these past couple years, especially with Sam Howell. We mentioned in our college football preview core that North Carolina, they were losing a lot of guys in Javante Williams, Michael Carter, um, Daz Newsome, and Dynami Brown. I mean, it's it's showing. And their offensive line isn't great. Again, they lose a brutal game to Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech, maybe not getting enough love as they deserve. That program's really been rebuilt well over there. And, uh, Core, your guy uh, Jeffrey Sims, uh, got a lot more run this past, or Jeff Sims, he got a lot more run this past week, and uh, he, he made he made them pay three touchdowns on the ground over 120 rushing yards. So uh, you were calling for him. Georgia coach, Georgia Tech coach heard you and uh, ran wild on UNC. Yeah, Jeff Sims uh, entering his, what am I saying, entering? Like he's showing his inner Lamar Jackson three rushing touchdowns just out there uh, out there balling. But yeah, I mean this North Carolina team. 
was it was a team came into the season obviously still with pretty high expectations. But you uh you were obviously saying like they lost a ton of skilled players. Obviously the offensive line kind of struggling also. But I mean besides Sam Howell, the, like they did not bring a lot back on the offensive side of the ball. And yeah, I mean to go into Georgia Georgia Tech and and not even play like get blown out. Uh. I don't know. It's that's a not, that's not a good sign either, and yeah, I mean you, North Carolina and Clemson. Like if you told me they're combined, like they're both two and two, and I'll win. Oh, and uh, uh, yeah, two and two overall, like through four games. I would say that's probably not the case, but yeah, the two two top teams in ACC come into the year both struggling, and uh, North Carolina with Mac Brown. Um, yeah, kind of looking a little tougher now. Yeah, hopefully they can turn it around. UNC two one and two in conference play. One of the teams they lost to two Virginia Tech. So you're thinking, oh, maybe Virginia Tech legit in the ACC. They lost last week to West Virginia, which West Virginia again sneaky like good uh, Big Twelve team, but nothing to like really hold your hat about losing to West Virginia on a last second drive. So yeah, the ACC is in a sense wide open. I ultimately think Clemson will turn it around. Hopefully it's not. Uh, too late but yeah definitely a lot more wide open than it's really been since Deshaun Watson like before Deshaun Watson I guess you could say even like Todd's board but even then like Clemson was still real good then but um I guess we'll move on core to another big upset this past week we had a couple of them Arkansas continues to rise through the rankings they beat Texas A&M who's ranked seventh uh A&M without their quarterback Hayes King has clearly struggled on the offensive side of the ball and uh I think this just speaks more to Arkansas, man. Sam Pittman has came in at the end of 2019. They were a dumpster fire. Last year in 2020, court, Arkansas was real competitive. I remember, too, that game. They were competitive with Florida for, like, the first half. Um, I can't think of the time I heard of they beat. They lost to, um, to Auburn, and Bo Nick spiked the ball backwards. It was a BS call for sure. Arkansas should have won that game. They, they did beat Ole Miss, right? Yeah, because oh, yeah. what's his name threw six interceptions in that game, or like five interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Right. They did meet Ole. They did beat Ole Miss. They had Felipe Franks too, so you know what I mean. Felipe was good there, but yeah, I think just think it goes to speak um, about really what Sam Pittman has done there. KJ Jefferson, the quarterback, there is a true dual threat, and they have a huge game this week. I'm interested to see uh, how they compete against Georgia, but. They rise to number eight in the rankings. If you would have told somebody, like I said, a year ago that Arkansas would be ranked eighth in the country, I think you would have said um, they're crazy. But, yeah, you're right. They beat Ole Miss, they beat Mississippi State, and they beat Tennessee last year. But they're just building off that success in 2020 in a sense, uh, that bounce back, I should say, in 2020, and uh, really bringing it to 2021 with big wins over Texas and big wins over Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, Arkansas is a team right now, like, to be in their position – it's just, um, I mean, it's pretty good. Like, they have, they really did not have much, ex- like, obviously had some, but to, to be 4-0 and rank number eight right now, I mean, no one expected that. And, yeah, they just keep surprising people. They put a beat down on, uh, on the state of Texas so far. I mean, Rice, uh, the University of Texas and Texas A&M beat all three of them. Uh, yeah, I think this week is, is a true test, but they're in the... SEC, I mean, they got three straight games against three ranked teams, Georgia, Ole Miss, and Auburn, who is uh, still ranked, even though um, they 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 just lost. Oh, wait, no. Oh, they lost earlier to Penn State. They're, they're, they're just a rank. But, yeah, I mean, Arkansas, um, yeah, a team looking to build on uh, on that win over Texas A&M. And, yeah, they're going to 
Athens, Georgia, and uh, we get to see what they're really all about. Yeah, we'll preview that game in a little bit. But you mentioned just make the SEC West that more stacked. You had Alabama, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Auburn all ranked within the top 25. And then the other two teams in that uh, like the part of the conference, you could say, LSU and Mississippi State, which Mississippi State, honestly, they're 2-2. Two and two. They should be 3-1 and one because they got absolutely screwed against Memphis um, uh, last week. Yeah, last week they like the guy like clearly down the ball or whatever. The refs like blowing the whistle. He throws his thing to um signal that like the ball like to spot the ball or whatever. The guy picks it up on Memphis and runs for a touchdown. They don't overturn it. But that's besides the point. Revenge game as well too this weekend for Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman used to be an assistant at Georgia under Kirby Smart. Now he will travel to Georgia to go play them. Another upset this week. Although Notre Dame was ranked higher than Wisconsin, they were the betting underdogs. Notre Dame thirty-one unanswered points in the fourth quarter, which was sparked by a Chris Tyree kick return. Uh, Jack Cohn in his revenge game wasn't wasn't able to complete it because he did get banged up in this game. Uh, I just think like Wisconsin's just not as good as people thought they were preseason. And Notre Dame, again, for what they lost, I think aside from Alabama, they lost like the most um, like starters on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But good for them. They continue to win. I think they're getting a little uh, not enough respect from the committee. They do move up to number nine. They have a big game as well against Cincinnati this week. But again, normally I'm not a te- not a guy who like sides with Notre Dame, but I'll give them a lot of credit this year. I love Kyron Williams. Like I said, Chris Tyree, too, is an explosive running back. Uh, in that backfield. Hopefully Cone is healthy for this week. And uh, yeah, I like what uh, Notre Dame has brought to the table so far. Yeah. I like this, um, this Notre Dame offense obviously had, uh, had, had two, two pick sixes in this game, but, um, but yeah, I mean, they've proven that uh, this is a pretty explosive offense and Graham Mertz has really taken a step backwards in, uh, in the second full season in, um, in at Wisconsin, so, yeah, I think I think Notre Dame, uh, they have another tough test this week against Cincinnati at home, I think. So I think it's another chance for them to, to keep building in a year where college football might be a little um, a little weird, a little different. Like, obviously, Bama's still there, but there's a lot of teams who are not sticking out as much and some some new faces. I think Notre Dame's a team. Who, uh, if they keep stringing wins together against quality opponents, technically quality opponents, like they could find themselves in in the mix for the college football playoff again for the second straight year. So I think Jack Cohn, I know he got hurt. I think he's uh, def- I think he's says he, I think he practiced in um, full gear. I think he's gonna be good to go against Cincinnati. So I think it's another chance for him and uh, Fighting Irish to knock off a good team. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Drew Pine, their backup, did uh, play well in relief for Jack Cohn. But yeah, one of the things too, is that their offensive line, normally a strong point really for the past five years or whatever, like they've produced so much NFL talent there has kind of struggled this year. I know six sacks allowed this past week. And like I said, Cohn was getting beat up there in that game before he had to come out of that. So definitely something to keep an eye on. I, I'm sure as these guys get more experience, like I said, a lot of pieces, I think they lost at least four of the starters. They might've lost all five from last year. Uh, I guess we'll quickly touch on a couple other upsets. Uh, one that was almost an upset, Oklahoma barely squeezed by. West Virginia falls two spots. The fans there are booing uh, Spencer Rattler. They're uh, they're begging for the backup. Cade Williams, I believe his name is there. Uh, t- top quarterback recruit, I believe, in the class of 2020. And 
Uh, yeah, again, I'm prime time. Not a great chunk from Oklahoma. It was who's that kicker? It's like Brickick is his last name Brick. in a game-winning field goal. So again, well, first of all, I got Brickick is unbelievable. For, uh, one of the games this year, he had like three field goals above 50 yards. He will definitely be. He should definitely be kicking at the next level. Unreal. But uh, the other Big 12 team, Iowa State, they were upset this week by Baylor after losing to Iowa a couple weeks ago. Losing to Baylor probably puts them out of contention, really, for college football playoffs. A little bittersweet, if you ask me. Matt Campbell passed up a lot of NFL jobs this offseason to kind of run it back with Iowa State. They brought back, like, 19 out of 22 starters. But, again, Brock Purdy's just taking a step back, and really the whole team has. Uh, hopefully they could still win the Big 12 title. Back me in my prediction there. But uh, I don't know. It's not, it's not looking too good. Yeah, I mean, first Oklahoma, I don't know what to go with them right now. They're squeezing by um, teams that, like, like right now, Alabama. I mean, right now, Oklahoma is is a terrible team against the spread. They have not even come close to covering in a lot of their games. Uh, besides the team, they won like seventy six nothing. I think it's like West Carolina, but that's besides the point. I I expect Oklahoma to event, hopefully, eventually, um, kick it into gear. Because right now, you could say it's a solid stunt. They have not gotten upset by like West Virginia or um, Tulane or Brest because they have not played football up to <clears throat> what they're capable of right now. And, yeah, I mean, Iowa State um, mightily have struggled. Two and two currently, obviously fell out. I think they fell out of the top 25. Uh, good sign. Brees Hall finally rushes uh, 190 yards and two touchdowns. But, yeah, Brock Purdy takes a step backwards. And, I mean, Baylor 4-0 right now. And, uh, yeah, they, they're, they're now in the top 25. And Iowa State, a team who was – Supposed to be top two, top three in the Big 12, currently struggling. But, um, yeah, I know you're high on Iowa State. I know you're a big Matt Campbell fan. So, hopefully, for your sake and their sake, they, uh, they're able to um, get this thing going in some type of way. Yeah, I'd be curious to see uh, when the coaching carousel comes around after the NFL season, if Matt Campbell, like, this really hurts his stock or something. Or if Matt Campbell, after this season, kind of bees, like, kind of is like, all right, let me jump ship now. You know what I mean? I wanted to finish this at Iowa State, but now it's like we fell a little short. Or if we'll be like, you know what, I'm pissed. Uh, let's run it back again. Uh, a couple other things to note. Ohio State beat up on Akron this week, no surprise. But that was without quarterback C.J. Strode, who was out. So I guess there's – could be a little bit of controversy there. Maybe when he's fully healthy, who do they ride with that quarterback? Because he hasn't, he's, he's done good. He hasn't done great in any way, shape or form. And obviously with a loss to Oregon uh, there, what's going call it there? Margin for error now is very slim. Uh, Penn state moves into playoff contention at number four. Now, officially, if the season ended today, which thankfully for us, it doesn't, we got tons more of college football with Oklahoma dropping down to number six. Like I said, Arkansas moves up to number eight. And that kind of brings us into our game picks core because Arkansas moves up to number eight. They are traveling to Athens, Georgia to play the Bulldogs. Now, Georgia, their defense has been unbelievable. They just beat up real bad on Vanderbilt this past weekend. They got JT Daniels back. But 18 and a half points is crazy. I think it goes to show you that maybe Arkansas is way too overvalued after that win against Texas A&M. But listen, they beat Texas. They beat Texas A&M. Those are two ranked teams going into the season for sure. And Georgia's offense did struggle a little bit against Clemson. They struggled mightily against Clemson, really. They had they scored three points on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, JT Daniels, he was a little banged up. He, he's now healthy. As much success as they've been able to have these past couple of weeks against inferior opponents, I don't know. I think it's a big step up again for them against Arkansas's defense. I ultimately think that keeps it closer than 18 and a half. So I'll take Arkansas to cover. 
But again, Arkansas, they struggled a little bit on the offensive side of the ball and scored 20 points. Like I said, their quarterback, KJ Jefferson's good, but this Georgia defense is the best in the country. So I'll take Georgia ultimately to win the game in a, a good SEC battle for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think when uh, the number two team faces the number 18, 18 and a half points is a lot. Like, I think that's kind of disrespectful right now. So Arkansas, um, I, I think George, obviously Georgia's defense, probably top top defense in the country. But I don't know. I think 18 and a half points is a lot of points. And I think uh, Arkansas currently playing good, good, good football. So I'm going to take I'm going to take the Razorbacks plus 18 and a half. Kind of sounds like, I don't know, there's a reason why Georgia's minus 18 and a half. Uh, I would definitely not be surprised if they blow them out by 30 points. But I'll take Arkansas plus 18 and a half here and Georgia to win the game. One thing I do remember, too, these two teams did play early on last year. And Arkansas played with them for like the first half and a little bit, too. It was um it was cl- like Arkansas had the lead going into like the third quarter and Georgia absolutely blew them out uh, midway through the third quarter and in the fourth quarter. So again, Sam Pittman, there's a lot of familiarity and it is a revenge game. So, uh, you know, I have to back uh, the Razorbacks there, but moving on to a big 10 battle here, core, I had to get my bias in a little bit. Number 14, the Michigan Wolverines travel to Wisconsin, Wisconsin's two point favorites here. And look, I'll keep it short and sweet. Michigan's rolling. They were able to survive Rutgers last week. Wisconsin, you could say that maybe this is a good opportunity to get them while Michigan's a little um, overhyped in a sense that they haven't disappointed yet and they're always bound to. But I don't know. I think Michigan, again, their ground game has been so good this week. They struggled mightily in the second half last week against Rutgers. Uh, They didn't have like a first down for the first like 20 minutes of the second half, which is disgusting. But yeah, I think uh, Jim Harbaugh is able to get another big win this week and keep the train rolling in Michigan. So I like Michigan with the points here and ultimately to win the game. Yeah, Wisconsin minus two. I think um, obviously Michigan's been um, has looked really good through uh, the first few games, but I don't know. I think minus two just sounds kind of nice. I'm not saying that was. I mean, Wisconsin's definitely been one of the biggest underachievers in uh, in the country so far. I mean, there's been a lot of underachievers. But I, I don't know if I would say that. Like they've been an underachiever for sure, but I don't know. I think this is um, a bounce back game at home. They've obviously lost to Penn State at home. They uh, they just lost to Notre Dame at home. I think they gotta get a win. Like. You can't drop all three of these games at home and uh, and call yourself a good football team. So I'm gonna ride. I'm gonna. Graham Mertz look terrible, but I, I think him and Wisconsin in the Badgers bounce back kinda, and I'll take Wisconsin minus two here. All right, moving on to another top ten battle here. Cincinnati ranks seventh in the country right now. Our two point favorites traveling to South Bend to play Notre Dame. Uh like I said, I think a lot of this depends on Jack Cohn's health. Notre Dame were underdogs last week, and they were able to beat Wisconsin with that huge fourth quarter, and I think they're able to do it again against Cincinnati. Look, Cincinnati was real good last year. Uh, obviously, they're undefeated until that bowl game, and they played Georgia really well in that bowl game. Uh, Desmond is a serviceable quarterback, but they struggled this year with Indiana, and Indiana is not as good as they were last year. Uh, they were able to squeeze that game out late in the fourth quarter, put up a bunch of points there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Notre Dame here, plus two, and ultimately to win the game. Uh, they've looked vulnerable at times, but ultimately they've been able to get the job done in all their games. I think, uh, aside from the Purdue game, all of their games have been like one possession. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame here to win the game. And I think they get the uh, ball rolling. And again, for a team that a lot of people probably think is always overrated and never deserves to get to the college football playoffs with a wide open playoff this year, I think Notre Dame with a signature win over Cincinnati can uh, keep the ball rolling and uh, add to their resume. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Notre Dame uh, with the same as you. I'm going to take them plus two and to win the game in this one. I just think I think Notre Dame uh, early on was squeezing by teams, but I think this is a quality football team. So, I don't know. I think uh, Cincinnati kind of struggled with Indiana for a majority of that game. Obviously, pulled away late. But I think going into another tough environment um, for a team who not used – Obviously, they're, they 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 were neck and neck with uh, Georgia. I think that was last year. Again, in the in a bowl in the bowl game. Um, I don't know. They're not used to playing like top competition. So I'm going to take Notre Dame here uh, to win the game. All right, moving on to the last game that we're going to pick. Number 12, Ole Miss travels to Alabama. Uh, Alabama still ranked number one in the country. 14 and a half points here. Last year, these two teams played. The final score is 63-48. Uh, in Alabama's favor, but Matt Corral was great. They were able to score a ton of points, as I just mentioned. And Corral, like I said, these are this is a matchup between the two uh, Heisman favorites right now, Bryce Young and Corral. Listen, I love Ole Miss offense. I love Lane Kiffin. He's going back to Alabama, a place where he used to be a coordinator before he took the FAU job. Uh, yeah, I think he's going to give Alabama's defense a lot of trouble here. Ole Miss, uh, I'm going to take plus 14 and a half. I ultimately think Alabama wins this game. But for an Alabama team that looked vulnerable – against Florida. I don't think Ole Miss gives them as much of a challenge on the ground. I think it more so is going to be in the air and stuff like that. But don't count out their, their running back, Ely, is a real talented runner there too. So, listen, I, lo- I love to buy into the Ole Miss hype. I love watching them play on the offensive side of the ball. So, I'm going to go with Ole Miss here. But ultimately, Alabama will win the game in a game that should feature a ton of points as it did last year. Yeah, I mean, over under, I think it's currently 79 and a half. Pretty unheard of. Uh, I think this will be a good game. I think it will feature a lot of points. I think 14 and a half is a lot. I think Bama is still Bama. Obviously, um, obviously they didn't. Uh, they 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 squeezed by Florida and Ole Miss has looked really good through uh, through three games. Matt Corral looked like a Heisman can't like Heisman favorite. I think this is between obviously the two front runners right now. I'm gonna ride with Bama here minus 14 and a half. I think this will be. A really entertaining game, but I don't know. I just think Bama. Um, I did say how could you bet against like not take Bama with the points until they don't do it. They didn't do it last week, but you know, I'm uh, I don't know. I'm gonna take them in this one. I think um, Bama handles business here and, t- and um, covers the spread. All right, uh, that's gonna do it for today's episode. One thing I do want to quickly mention about the college football games: the fact that. Out of the four games that we just listed, I mean, the Michigan-Wisconsin game, I think, a little bit. But the other three are unbelievable football games. None of those games are the 730 game on ESPN. The ESPN – or on ABC, excuse me. The ABC game this week is Penn State-Indiana, which Penn State just got the – the AB, Penn State just got the ABC game two weeks ago, which I think is unheard of. But I guess the SEC does what they want to do. And then Notre Dame has to technically be probably on NBC. But – I mean, they could play. I don't know. I just think that's crazy that none of those teams are, none of those games are at 7:30 this week. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. Core, anything you want to leave off with? Nah, not really. Just um, yeah, looking forward to some more football. Like basically what I say at the end of every episode. And yeah, that's about it. I love it, Core. Get ready to sit back on Sunday and uh, not do anything because, like you said, Sunday is uh, the day of no production. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.